Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. Today's show is sponsored by Mikasa Home Inspections, Calgary's top-rated home inspection company. Mikasa understands that the highest quality of service is essential, so make sure to call Mikasa before your next real estate deal. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Hey guys, Corey Peckford here. On today's show, I had the pleasure of speaking with Emily Zur and Taylor Atkinson. They're a Kelowna power team and a super cool couple. Taylor is a mortgage broker and Emily is a real estate agent. They both have a unique life experiences and have built an impressive real estate portfolio together. If you're interested in learning more about investing in the Kelowna, Okanagan area, you'll get a lot of value from this show. Morning, guys. Just like to welcome Emily and Taylor to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast show. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Oh, I'm so happy you're here this morning. So you guys, I know where you are, but I'm just going to kind of get you guys to speak about it. If you could tell me a bit about your background, you guys both have unique backgrounds. I, I, you know, I know a little bit about both of you and if you maybe just start with that. Sure. I'll probably go first and then Emily will take over the rest of the show. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I was born in Vancouver, but family moved up to Kelowna when I was young, single mom raised four kids. So um, yeah, I got to work pretty early in my career as an aviation consultant, spent most of my time overseas, generally working month on month off. So I traveled the world a lot. And um, I was a resident in Panama for quite a number of years. And throughout that whole process, I was purchasing property. So I was kind of building a portfolio. And currently, I'm now doing mortgages for a profession. And I still am very active in scaling our portfolio and managing it. We do have three amazing property managers. So they generally have autonomy over everything. But yeah, I play a part on that team as well. And now we're located in uh, Kelowna. So yeah, loving being here. Yeah. And for me, my background is actually playing professional sports. So I played soccer professionally and for Canada for a number of years. I retired in 2016 after the World Cup in Canada. So yeah, I was lucky enough to go to two Olympics and two FIFA Women's World Cups. So after 2016, I met Taylor actually at a wedding And I don't like to admit this, but he's kind of the person that got me involved in real estate. He taught me a lot early on in our relationship. He had been investing a lot himself. So he kind of, yeah, led the way in my real estate journey. I was able to invest in two condos on Vancouver Island where I grew up. First condo was $105,000, which is kind of hilarious thinking about that now. Yeah. And yeah, it's just done really well. So we've kind of obviously collaborated on our real estate portfolio now. And yeah, it's cool. I feel like we learn something new every day. Each project we take on is different, but it's been a really awesome journey. Yeah, that's amazing. And you're a licensed realtor, is that right? In Kelowna? I am. Yeah. So I've been investing in real estate for probably about eight years now. And we were living overseas actually in Shanghai a few years ago. Moving back to Canada, we moved back to take on a huge project, which we can dive into probably a bit later. But yeah, it kind of just made sense. Real estate had become a major passion of mine. And so, yeah, I just decided to get licensed and working with people is also another passion of mine. So it's just been, yeah, really nice collaboration. Yeah, that's awesome. It's such a cool story. Like you guys, you know, playing professional soccer and and both of you guys living in different countries and traveling the world. And then, so when you, Taylor, were in Panama, were you investing in Canada or did you 
buy properties abroad as well? I was investing in some syndications in the States and um, some other business peer-to-peer type lending in other countries. Yeah, I went through commodities, gold, diamonds, crypto, like anything I could try to invest in. I just really loved the education piece of it, but I didn't do that great in any of those uh, investments. So real estate has always been the backbone of my portfolio. We both love travel still. So we're going to Mexico in a week here to take a bit of a break before Christmas. This will bother Emily a little bit, but I've been to a few more countries from her. So I've been to just over 70 countries. So to be able to call Kelowna home, like we are very passionate about being here and realize how lucky we are to be here. So, yeah, it is really frustrating that he's been to more countries than me. I think I'm, I'm going to have to take off a little bit <laughs> at home. But um, yeah, we've both been really lucky to live overseas and experience different cultures. I've personally lived in Sweden and Germany and Italy, the US. We recently lived in China together in Shanghai wow. for three years. And Tay's the same. The helicopter industry took him kind of all over the world as well. So it's been really interesting just to get a different perspective on cultures. And now coming back to Canada, we have a little bit more of a kind of basic, more simple lifestyle here, but we've definitely explored investing in other ways, being on the ground here, which has been really great. Yeah, that's amazing. And just one other question. Are you involved in soccer in any way? Are you a coach? Are you doing anything? Are you, have you kind of fully stepped away? Uh, no, I am involved now. Yeah, we just recently had a baby. He just turned one. So had to take a bit of a break then, but I'm back playing definitely slower than I used to be. <laughs> A little bit washed up, but I'm playing and hoping to get into coaching just on the side for fun. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. And congrats on the baby. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, that's a whole nother journey. <laughs> you guys are definitely the Kelowna power team. I can't wait to dive into some of these questions. So if you could just give me a little bit, we'll just quickly kind of go into the, how you guys started in real estate investing. What kind of How did you get inspired? Was it a family member? A like, little bit of a backstory there. Sure. My kind of first purchase was in 2005. And I give some of that credit to just people I was surrounded with at work. A lot of them suggested reading you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and just building passive income. And, you know, real estate's always been a pretty hot topic in Kelowna. So yeah, in 2005, I bought a condo, kind of a joint venture with a friend of mine and his mom. So I was 25% shareholder. We held that for a few years. The deal was him and I would kind of manage it. And when the market somewhat started to peak, we probably missed the opportunity to sell it, unfortunately, but it was still a great experience. And then in 2008, I bought another condo myself. And, you know, 2008 was arguably the worst time to buy, especially condos in Kelowna, but it still did very well. And from there, I'll kind of summarize, but we bought a 23 unit apartment building in Creston, BC, did that as a partial syndication bought a single family house in Kelowna, which we're currently subdividing right now, went on to buy a 43 unit strata building in Vernon. So it's mixed commercial use with residential and commercial. Those are the 13 residential units that we moved back and renovated ourselves, And that was a, a pretty unique financing mm -hmm. opportunity. We did a, a partial vendor take back on that, bought a single family house in Kelowna, which we ran as an Airbnb for a summer and then moved into. We're currently doing a massive renovation and addition. So um, our son's always in the background, hitting the floor with the claw hammer. Um, <laughs> we did a terrible joint venture Airbnb about a year ago. That was a good lesson we can probably dive into a little bit, but it was just the difference of, you know, they had maybe more of a scarcity mindset and we just had more of an abundance type mindset. 
but right after that, we rolled into another great joint venture, similar property for an Airbnb. And yeah, I guess kind of to summarize, we have about 10 million assets under management with just over 70 doors, all pretty unique and diverse. So we just see opportunities that we want to be part of and we're passionate about and try and figure out how to uh, take advantage of that opportunity and, and scale it. And yeah, and during that as well, Emily purchased those two condos on Vancouver Island. So we're heavily invested in the BC market spread out throughout the Okanagan, Kootenays, and Vancouver Island. Wow, that's amazing. Maybe I missed part of it, but it sounded like you kind of went from investing in condos to this 23 unit apartment building. Is that right? Yeah, I just didn't know enough. <laughs> how does that, that happen? Like, how do you yeah. go from like that to that? Yeah, yeah. I really, I, honestly, I just, I didn't know enough that I shouldn't have been doing it myself. So I was listening to a lot of bigger pockets and reading books and speaking to people about how to scale and buy multifamily because at that time, I think this was about in 2015, that was kind of the next big thing, at least that I was finding that was going to provide a lot of passive income quote unquote, passive income, you know, there's always work to these things. But yeah, I found this property and couldn't afford it, but mm -hmm. figured out how to do it by fundraising a little bit of money and structured a deal with promissory notes that I paid back investors, you know, about 11% return paid out quarterly, I was able to pay them out much faster than that. So their return was more attractive. And yeah, that property did great. But I was like, I think I had $7 in my pocket after that deal closed, I was in- I had to uh, loan you some money, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emily, Emily was one of my first investors, actually. <laughs> I was in Colombia, crossing the border into Ecuador to go do a bunch of climbing. And um, I had about a month of trips already kind of prepaid. So I was just climbing in the mountains with $7. And then uh, the first day the washing machine broke at that building because somebody put some nails in it. And uh, yeah, you just learn how to figure it out and get through it. And since then, obviously, we've built a few more safety nets in place. But wow. Yeah. Okay. Say. You guys are definitely the coolest couple I know now. <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that you were in a different country as well. Like, how did you find that 23 unit building? Was it off market or? No. So yeah, I was searching for months. I was actually looking for mobile home parks to buy. I had one under contract and it fell through just because their numbers weren't kind of what they said they were once we went through the due diligence phase. And then I found this listed on the town of Creston website and it was actually the owners were from Alberta so I just reached out to them directly they had that property fall out of contract twice so they just wanted to be sure I could close and I said yeah absolutely I know nothing about buying these but I can figure it out <laughs> and um, yeah we were able to get it done so yeah that's been a great property still hold that we've renovated about 20 of those units so a lot of value add there and we have some good systems in place with a property manager so yeah very that's um, awesome Kind of long distance investing for sure right there so you don't suffer from analysis paralysis apparently <laughs> you know yeah, i probably come off that way that i don't but i am very analytical like i've got spreadsheets galore so i just okay comfortable with it yeah yeah so it may look at a high level that i'm kind of rolling the dice but i am very analytical and i think that's yeah. where you know mortgage brokering kind of comes into play as well yeah yeah, I think it's, in that scenario, your inexperience in multifamily helped you because you didn't know what you couldn't do. So you kind of just figured it out. It was very impressive. But yeah, pulled it off. Oh, it's so cool. So let's start with just kind of like Kelowna. I have family there. Obviously, I vacation there. I know about it. But for a listener, can you just give us like a 10,000 foot view of Kelowna? 
Yeah. Like I said, we are passionate about Kelowna. I mean, this is the reason why we came back from living overseas. The economy's been pretty stable here. Generally, we're kind of the last ones to go into a recession and first to come out. You know, a lot of people kind of joke that nobody in Kelowna has a job. It does boggle my mind sometimes. You know, you'll be driving downtown at two o'clock on a Tuesday and there's traffic. We don't know where everyone is going, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs here. So I think that drives the economy and we're our own best tourists. Like people that live in Kelowna love to go skiing at Big White, wine touring, golfing. Like we're very active in the community and people really appreciate the surrounding area. So mm-hmm. we're not afraid to spend money on other people's business. So it has been a booming economy and, you know, Vancouver, Toronto, Alberta, a lot of people from there are migrating here. Apparently it is the fastest, mm-hmm. one of the fastest growing cities in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing, you know, two to 3% growth a year. We have a couple hundred thousand in population in the Okanagan Valley. I think it's also starting to feel like more of a major city. I used to come here as a kid for vacations, probably like a lot of people. And after I started dating Taylor about eight years ago, we would come every year. And even since that time, I've seen it massively grow. It starts to feel like a city, almost like a small Vancouver in terms of neighborhoods, brewery districts, sports teams. There's just so much to do here year round. Anyone who loves outdoor activities, this is a perfect place for you. And not only that, there's a lot of industry growth. Tech scene is becoming a major industry, a bit more of a major industry in Kelowna. I just read an article that said tech has grown about 15% year over year in the last 10 years and brings a few billion dollars into the municipal economy. So yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for a really great lifestyle, but also career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The one negative that I think about a Kelowna is like, oh, you know, it has like that one highway going right through it, which is like a parking lot in the summer. Have you heard anything about like maybe a ring road or anything like that? Yeah, like that on the radar. Yeah, that is definitely an issue. That bridge traffic coming from the west side, there's a lot of congestion just because there's those stoplights right after the bridge. But there are plans to put in some overpasses kind of on Bernard and on Pendozi. So right after you cross the bridge, essentially. So I think that'll help a lot. There's definitely plans in place or things being proposed because, yeah, everyone who lives in Kelowna knows that that is a bit of an issue just coming down Harvey, which is kind of the main drag, so to speak. It is kind of funny coming from Vancouver. I lived in Vancouver for a number of years and know that traffic during rush hour is always worse. there yeah a lot worse <laughs> but after living yeah. here kind of forget about that and now on a smaller scale it's just yeah, yeah. It's in reality fun. it's probably an extra 15 minutes it just feels like oh i'm moving very slowly for multiple lights is all it is right it it's does. Like, yeah, yeah not, it does. nothing comparable to a vancouver or anything but yeah you just think about oh why isn't there a road that just brings us traffic around and outside the city kind of thing right yeah no for sure And obviously, you guys have seen some really big appreciation, right, over the, say, five, 10-year period. How is the market doing there right now with the interest rates climbing? Yeah, it's definitely cooling off. You know, it's probably more sustainable, and it's a healthier market. Mm -hmm. Last summer was incredibly stressful in the market. People buying subject-free, over-asking, multiple offers, you know, much like a lot of places in Canada. So it's back to a healthier market. For sure, the interest rates are impacting that. But in the last 10 years, year over year, we've been seeing, you know, roughly 10% increase in appreciation. Obviously, that's been one of the biggest bull markets that we've kind of seen in real estate and inflation's at an all-time high. And it depends on the asset class. 
But yeah, essentially, you know, properties have doubled in the last 10 years. I don't want to attribute all that to just natural appreciation. Kelowna is a funny city. Like everyone loves their home renovations here. So it's a lot of forced appreciation. There are just a lot of cosmetic yeah, renovations that people take advantage of. So it's been a pretty steady growth, but probably not sustainable in the last 10 years. So it's just a bit of a reset right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Tay said, it's hit a bit more of a balanced market, which I agree. I think it's healthier, more sustainable, a better experience for people looking to buy, even people looking to sell. Previously in last year, when the market was its absolute hottest, if you listed your home, it sold within a couple of days. And then you were kind of struggling to win a home. If you were buying in the same market again, you were probably going to be competing in multiple offers. Yeah, it's definitely more enjoyable for a lot of people. And there's definitely a lot of opportunities now for buyers. It's probably on average corrected about 10%. If you look at last year around this time, based on different submarkets and different asset classes, condos, townhomes, single family, but prices in general are staying like fairly steady. They've increased in single family, even a few percent since last month. Yeah, there's just more opportunities to negotiate, to do your due diligence, to find more homes. Supply has increased about 100%. So there's more opportunities that way. And yeah, hopefully it just becomes more sustainable. We're seeing the same thing in Calgary where it's just more of a balanced market, even though we still have low inventory here, but it's just that frenzy buying isn't here anymore, which is nice to see. It's just, you know, like you said, people have more time to actually think about it and put in their conditions when they're purchasing the property. And Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of the biggest things here and, you know, much similar to Calgary or anywhere else in Canada is supply and demand. There's just, there is no supply. So, you know, prices can only drop to a certain, you know, level until we're going to see those people sit in on the sideline to start buying it again. So I don't think waiting for the bottom is really the solution. Yeah, number of sales have dropped significantly. So absorption right now in Kelowna is 14%, meaning that in a given month, if there's 100 listings, only 14 of those are selling. So yeah, it's definitely cooled off a bit, but like we said, it's kind of leading to more opportunities and who knows what's going to happen moving forward. There's potentially going to be another interest rate hike coming in the next couple of days, but yeah, like they said, it's kind of impossible to time that market. So our kind of mantra is always just, if you can get in, if you can make it work and, or if you need a home, then now's the best time. Yeah, for sure. Do you see any differences? So just to give you an example, Calgary, we're seeing kind of the lower price point. So we're seeing a bit more of a, not frenzy, but more transactions, say in condos and row houses in our detached side, they're sitting longer, especially if they're priced higher, they're actually sitting longer and our inventory is creeping up a little bit on that side. Mm -hmm. But on the lower price point, we're seeing that inventory kind of going, you know, it's decreasing, right? Is that kind of similar in Kelowna? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's similar. I think Probably a lot of the reason similar to you guys is because interest rates are high, people's buying power is being affected. And so they're having to potentially move into a little bit of a lower asset class or lower budget. So yeah, we are seeing a little bit stronger of a market in that condo townhome area. Yeah, for sure. And have you heard of any like major projects coming online? Like is there new condo buildings being built right now that can you share anything on that? Yeah, there's a lot of development coming to Kelowna. I think it's been worked on for the last couple of years. A few major ones that have broken ground recently. One specifically that we really love, it's Aqua, built by the Mission Group. It's in the Lower Mission Lakefront. That and a, another development called Caban, 
those are both actually zoned for Airbnbs, so short-term rentals, which, yeah, we believe is a really good opportunity in the Kelowna market to get into Airbnb. Currently, there's about nine buildings zoned for Airbnb in Kelowna, and other than that, it needs to be your single family or your, sorry, your primary residence. So it's a little bit tough to Airbnb or short-term your rental, or it's actually very tough. You're not allowed to short-term rent your condo if it's not in one of these Airbnb or short-term rental zoned buildings. For sure. So those are two kind of on the luxury end, two new developments coming. Movala is another one in that Pandozi area in the lower mission in Kelowna. One Water is kind of on the other side in the north of Kelowna. It's more in the brewery district. And then there's a few more affordable type developments coming downtown, Coston, Savoy. I think those are really interesting. They'll probably be really good for student rentals because there's, I don't know if you've heard, the UBCO is expanding into a downtown campus. So potentially a lot more student rentals in kind of those more affordable, smaller wood frame type buildings. Oh, interesting. And are these pretty massive condo complexes? Like when they're done and is it like two to three years out, anything like that? Like how big are these condo complexes going to be? Yeah, I think the first phase for Aqua should be done in what, about a year and a half? Yeah, um, I think and they, Yeah, they have about 150 units, I think, coming online. So they are big developments and, you know, they're backed by developers who have kind of molded the city over the last 10 years. So pretty excited to see the finished product there. Yeah, there's three phases in Aqua. So the first phase is actually just zoned for short-term rentals. The second and third phase, I believe, is zoned for seven-day minimum. So a little bit longer, maybe a little more long-term tenant class. And then those downtown developments, Coston and Savoy. Coston is actually just finishing. I have a client who just bought in there. So it's closing in about a week. And they already have, I think, a huge number of people looking to rent student rentals. So yeah, there's just a huge range of developments right now that have kind of been continuing on the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Is that a strategy a lot of investors are using? So they're doing, say, maybe during the summer when it's busier for tourism, they're doing short-term rental and then turn it to a student rental in the off season. Is that what you're seeing? Or yeah. yeah. And our strategy with our Airbnb was just to keep it as an Airbnb year round. It's just kind of less risk, like the BC Tenancy Act is pretty strict. So to get those long-term tenants out can be difficult. And we did an analysis and we didn't really think there would be that much more profit for the long-term rental through the winter, but it has been a much slower market this year for Airbnb. So that's what we're currently doing. We've placed someone in for a six month term. There has been a, uh, a new development, uh, the Brooklyn that was released in the spring and that's Airbnb. And I think that absorbed a lot of those potential bookings. So yeah, there's a mix, but I think most people feel more comfortable with putting a long-term tenant in, in the winter time. Any thoughts, because you guys are in kind of boots on the ground there. Do you think that the short-term rental may become a bit too saturated where there's just too much of that, too many options, and then, you know, your vacancy rates kind of increase and that kind of thing? Or do you think there's just enough people wanting to come there? You know, I never really thought about this before being cyclical, but I think it is when a building gets released, a lot of people are excited about it. You know, they have FOMO, they want to jump on the bandwagon and take advantage of it. And Airbnb rates were out of control. Like, mm -hmm. So it's almost like the real estate market is probably just more of a healthier market right now. 
I definitely do think when these properties are released, we'll see that cyclical low and then it will kind of balance out and it'll weed out people who are not comfortable with the short-term rentals. But yeah, generally we do see tourism, you know, take over the city in the summer. So mm-hmm. um, there's always bookings there. Even this year when it was a bit slower, we still had a very high occupancy in ours. So nice. And the other thing, I guess, outside of your guys's control, we don't have control of this, but Cologne has been hit with smoke, I think it was two to three years in a row, right? And it was just, I mean, it was awful. And I'm sure that impacted your, you know, less people are going to come to Kelowna, right? If that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we saw that a lot in 2021. So I think Tay mentioned earlier, our primary residence, we closed in June and it had actually already been set up as an Airbnb. It was a four bedroom house with a pool. So you could pull a really high nightly rate. And so we saw that opportunity and we didn't want to miss out on it. So instead of moving in June, we actually continued it as the previous owners had planned to do. So we had it as an Airbnb for the summer. We lived in a little one bedroom condo down the road. It was really successful, but there were a few weeks there where the smoke was just really bad. And we did have a couple of cancellations. So yeah. I think a lot of people dealt with that that summer. Last summer as well, there was probably a few other factors that maybe caused a little bit of a slower Airbnb market. Just, yeah, the more condos coming on the market and weather fluctuating can kind of have maybe an impact here or there. So that part is a little bit harder to control. I think overall, though, it was still successful. So you are going to see a little bit of that. But if you can kind of plan for potentially having a little bit of a lower vacancy rate for that, then yeah, you can typically still be successful, make some good money. Yeah, it still outperforms the long term market, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Calgary's the same way. It's just like a kind of the West coast thing. Calgary gets hit with the smoke as well. When that happens, right? A big forest fire and you just basically learn to deal with it and you still have to get outside and do things. So yeah, uh, there's still people drinking wine in Kelowna. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Any other like large capital projects that you guys have heard of happening in the city? Yeah. There's some really cool ones coming. Hopefully There's an old mill site in kind of Kelowna North area. It's 40 acres. A lot of it is lakefront. Yeah, which is going to be really awesome. We're not exactly sure what they're doing with that. A lot of proposals have been put in place, but the final plans haven't been released yet. I think it'll probably be a mix of some condos, hopefully some parks, maybe some beachfront. We would love to see kind of like a Granville Island type Mm. market. Cool. Down there, that would be really cool. What's the hike just above that? What's that name of that hike that's there? Knock Mountain, yeah. yeah. Yes, I've done Knox Mountain. And I've looked down at that sawmill thinking the person is going to be rich one day because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Prime, prime land. It's prime. It's, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of one of the last untapped spots in Kelowna that, you know, they could really do something impactful there. So yeah, we're excited to see what happens. Yeah. So that's coming up. It was just announced there's been a proposal for a soccer stadium downtown, kind of in that Kelowna North Brewery District, which would be really awesome and potentially a Canadian Premier League team. So a professional team coming to Kelowna. So that's really exciting. I don't love that one though. I do play baseball there. So they replace the baseball field with the soccer yeah, field. They'd have to take up the baseball field. Feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kind of have a battle about what sport Leo's going to play. I obviously want soccer. Tay's leaning more towards the baseball, volleyball side of things. But yeah, we'll see. Whatever could, he wants to do. Could do it all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. 
And what about outside of Kelowna? So like you kind of get a little bit further outside. Do you guys see any sort of investment opportunities or some additional growth, you know, from net migration, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple areas around Kelowna that are really interesting that we love. Personally, Lake Country, also one of the fastest growing cities in Kelowna. It's about 20 minutes from Kelowna, but it's really close to the airport. A bunch of lakes, Kalamaka, Wood Lake, Little Lake called Duck Lake, lots of wineries, some good schools, a lot of new townhome developments happening in Lake Country currently. And then on the other side of things, I love Penticton. It's always just been a really fun and interesting city. And interestingly enough, they don't have any Airbnb bylaws currently. So mm -hmm. if you were looking to kind of get into that short-term space and have some cash flow, Penticton is kind of a nice area to invest in. So this kind of makes me think about Kelowna. What kind of bylaws would Kelowna have? So let's say you own a detached property and you decide, oh, I just want to turn it into a short-term rental. What does that look like for doing that with the city and getting approval? Yeah, you can get a business license and operate it if it's your primary residence. So you'll obviously have to either vacate and rent out the whole house or you know, do a, an actual Airbnb where there's segregated off room. You won't be able to do it with carriage houses or legal suites. It's pretty black and white and the city of Kelowna is cracking down on it. They do hire a firm that follows up with any listings that are Airbnb and make sure that they're abiding by the bylaws. So it's, yeah, it's definitely not something we recommend um, to kind of roll the dice on, but yeah, single family houses are probably the most profitable. If you can find one, there are some listings that, you know, people obviously rent it out in the summer and live elsewhere. Otherwise they maybe go camping in a trailer for a month or something and then come back. So yeah, the safest option is sticking to those condos that allow short-term rentals. I see. So, and you said primary residence. So let's say an investor in Calgary was thinking, Hey, maybe I'll buy a property in Kelowna and put it on the short-term rental list and then just enjoy some time there during the summer myself. The city wouldn't allow that. And it sounds like, is that right? Yeah, it would have to be declared as your primary residence. So, you know, depending on what they own in Calgary and how often they live there, it would be very difficult to go through with. Yeah. Interesting. So they would have to go, like you're saying, maybe buy in one of these buildings and then do a short-term rental that way. Yeah. Because we also do have speculation tax, which essentially, if you're not occupying it. For six um, months. Yeah. So it started with, I believe, Vancouver and Kelowna, and it's been expanding. It's not a huge impact financially, but they are implementing these rules that, you know, are limiting investors from buying in certain areas, much like the foreign buyer ban that's supposed to be coming through next year for the following two years. Vacancy mm -hmm. There's a lot of these um, government imposed regulations that they're trying to kind of slow down the market and make it more affordable for local people that need places to live. Yeah, for sure. So I'll just give you a kind of an example. And what a lot of investors do in Calgary is we look for, say, a detached home with an illegal basement suite and then convert that to a legal suite, especially, and it depends on when, how long it's been illegal for, that kind of thing. But it is a bit of an opportunity from an investor for a long-term rental, say, right? Do you see that happening in Kelowna? Is that something like investors would be looking to do? I haven't been seeing it, nor do I think there's a huge opportunity there. The cost of, you know, converting that to legal is in the ballpark of $50,000. There are a lot of illegal suites that are just currently being rented. And that's maybe something the city has a more relaxed view on. Mm -hmm. Just because there is a housing issue here, you know, our vacancy is less than 1%. It's really difficult for them to come in and take away accommodation that somebody needs. 
So I don't think there's really a necessary need to switch that over. And then from an investment mm -hmm. point of view, it's just a lot of capital and you're not really going to reap the benefits. Potentially in a slower market on resale, it would help. But I think since the market's been so hot, generally anyone that's buying that property doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And most people have tenants in there and just leave them in there. And the city, maybe they turn a blind eye or maybe they don't have the resources to look into that. But they're more focused on trying to limit the short-term rental market. Yeah. Yeah, you're actually not even seeing that much of a price difference based on a single family with a legal suite and a single family with an illegal or non-conforming in-law suite. It's really having not much, if any, effect on prices just because there hasn't been historically any issues with renting out one of those in-law suites, as long as it's labeled as an in-law suite, who knows what's going to happen moving forward. But at this point, yeah, it hasn't really been much of an issue in the Kelowna market. Yeah, it's interesting. We're also seeing about 30% um, of new construction that is being built with legal suites. So the builders know there's an obvious need for it. Financially, it really helps people. So it's becoming more of a common asset to see being built on new construction. Yeah, that's smart for sure for builders to be doing that. Let's say if you bought a brand new construction legal suite, and could you put the suite in the short-term rental? But again, I guess it would have to be your primary residence, right? The upstairs would have to be safe. Yeah. So there is a way around that. Essentially, you would just have to take out the oven to make it legal and to be able to get a license. So the city actually technically doesn't allow Airbnbs in those suites, legal suites or carriage houses. But if you do, and we've actually experienced this in the past, you can kind of speak on this, but if you do remove the oven, then technically it would be allowed to be short-term rented. Yeah, their real simplified opinion is if it can be a long-term rental, then it needs to be. So if it is legal, then there's no way around it. If it's illegal and you remove the oven and it's technically, you know, part of your house, not being able to be a long-term mm -hmm. rent, then you can convert it over to an Airbnb. So it's, I wouldn't say there's gray areas, but it also depends. Like the city of West Kelowna has slightly different bylaws for that and they do change and they do adapt so hopefully we will see some changes in the future that maybe allow people to take advantage of that because with price houses being so high you know it would be nice for people to afford their house and you know pay for their mortgage by doing that so we're obviously fans of just mm -hmm. allowing people to be more adaptable and give them those mm -hmm. opportunities to take advantage of if they want to you can also short-term rent a room in your house. So we know a lot of people that potentially have a room with an ensuite that you can just kind of lock off and rent out to make a bit of money, especially over those summer months. Okay. I didn't know that. That's a great mortgage helper, right? If you're living there and uh, you have that space. Yeah, definitely. So there are creative ways to kind of make money off of your house, your primary residence in Kelowna. You just have to be creative about it. Yeah, for sure. And then what would be an attractive property in Kelowna? Let's say for someone that lives in Calgary and it wants to invest in Kelowna, what do you guys think would be an attractive property for them? Yeah, we're still fans of the short-term rental market. However, those are difficult to finance sometimes. So it depends on the client. We also love infill projects. Maybe as a distant investor, it may not be the best thing to get into, but there are great properties where you can hold it with long-term tenants and subdivide and build down the road. It's obviously a longer process and um, some costs to hold that. 
but we still love multifamily. Like at the end of the day, I think that's the real backbone of our portfolio. There are some lower cap rates in this area, but um, you can still find some value add properties. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting, actually, what you brought up there about financing. So if you were buying in one of these big condo buildings as an investor, you still have to go to the bank and say, well, no, this is going to be my long-term rental. And then basically afterwards decide it's a short-term rental. Is that correct? So well, you definitely they... don't want to go to the bank, Corey. You want to come to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay, go to your mortgage broker. Sorry, I... yeah. thank you for the correction. Yeah, there's some nuances. It's lender specific on what properties they're comfortable with. So I won't name names, but there are a few lenders that really monopolize that market and they will lend to those properties. So I can definitely introduce you to those lenders. And then conventionally, they label them as essentially restricted property. So if you are moving in as your primary residence, then you're allowed to buy it with more of a conventional mortgage. Sometimes they'll require you to sign a stat deck. Potentially, you'll have to put more down, like more than 20% down, but still pay the CMHC fees. So it's really property and lender specific. If they do state that there's short-term rental bylaws in the building, just know that there will be some hurdles. And if you're putting more than 35% down, then there are some lenders that are willing to look at it that way. So it really is just specific on the property and the lender. But also something to note is with most of those lenders, you're not gonna be able to include that rental income to offset your mortgage in the application. So we won't be able to approve you for you know, a mortgage amount based on any rental income if it is going to be an Airbnb property. Okay. Do you think those rules may change over time as lenders get more familiar with the process and that it actually is a viable business model? Yeah, absolutely. There are a couple lenders, like I said, that like this space and they're comfortable with it. There is word that there's another lender coming on that's going to be taking on a lot of these properties. So hopefully we'll see that because it does create a lot of opportunities for investors and lenders alike, really. It's a safe asset in terms of where we stand. So if banks can get on board with it, then it will help everyone. For sure. Yeah. And I know you guys are doing an infill project. I really don't know much about it. Can you just kind of give me a high level and what your strategy is, what your guys are doing with that? Yeah, absolutely. So we bought this property in 2016. It's a single family property in West Kelowna, it's split level. So you can rent out the top and the bottom. So it kind of covers the cost to carry it for that time being. We looked into subdividing it years ago when we first bought it and it just, there wasn't really enough value there. The cost to do it was just too expensive and property values weren't really where they needed to be. But recently in the last couple of years, we've kind of revisited it. And yeah, there's some great opportunity there as well as it's just a fun learning experience for us, you know, just kind of another project to work on because we have so much spare time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there are some neighboring properties that have done something similar. You know, they're listing just the piece of land for around 500,000. So that's kind of now where we see the opportunity is the value is really in the land. The cost to build is obviously still very expensive, but so yeah, we bought that in 2016 for about 660,000. Currently that house is probably about a million dollars and it will cost roughly say a hundred thousand to subdivide. So we are in the stages of DP and BP with the city of West Kelowna right now, hoping to have that done pretty much anytime this month. And then we'll build in the spring. It is a steep hill slope. So we'll probably have another 50,000 in expenses for the um, like engineered walls and everything. And then cost of build, we're estimating kind of at about 
250 a square foot at roughly 3,300 square feet. So call that 825 to build plus our cost to develop. So we'll be at about 975 all in to build a new house. And that's going to have three beds upstairs with a separate garage and a legal suite downstairs with its own separate garage. To kind of break it down as well, like I kind of like to reverse engineer these things, you know, like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time kind of thing. That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just look at it really cost per door. So if we're looking at it's going to be about a million dollar property, it's 500,000 per door. I look at that as fundamentally a pretty good investment. And then if we're looking at the whole project, you know, including the cost to buy the original house, we'll be into it for about 1.6. So we'll get four doors from that rental income, long-term rental income over those four doors will be about 10,000 a month. So really then it comes down to 400,000 for a door producing 2,500 bucks a month to us. That's a really good return. And there are a lot of exit strategies. And, you know, if we decided that we just weren't really happy with how things were going, then we'd probably just turn to sell the land. But um, yeah, that's kind of a, terrible summary of it all no terrible you don't need emily to make you sound smart anymore <laughs> you sound smart on your own now <laughs> wow you I've really do know that your... before actually <laughs> first time i've heard that you do definitely know your numbers that was all the top of your head so obviously the existing home is staying there was enough land you're saying and you had to build a retaining wall and get the approval to build another structure on this land yeah and they're unique properties like this one's great because it has a road access to the primary house and then there's road access to the lower house so it's a perfect you just you know draw a line in the sand literally and you know now you have a new piece of property so they're not everywhere in Kelowna and you know there is a huge cost to carry it you're not going to reap those rewards really quickly but I do think the long-term play on those type of properties are great so if an investor kind of isn't intimidated with the lengthy process, I would definitely suggest there is like a large cash out at the end of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And why is it so high? It was a hundred thousand to do a subdivision. Like, is it the approval with the city? Why is that so expensive? Yeah, it's a bit of everything. And I think this is what causes some of the affordability issue and housing crisis in Canada is the cost of business for this is incredibly high. Specifically in BC, the cost to doing business is quite high with property transfer tax and any kind of subdivision approval from the city. And then to get in utilities, yeah, it's just not a friendly market to do this kind of business. So hence why housing prices are quite high here. Mm -hmm. We did just get a new mayor in Kelowna. So hopefully that changes things and makes the process a little bit faster for people looking to do this type of development. As well, the new premier in BC has already made some really fast changes. He basically just in the last week took out all restrictions on strata. So that's just another way to kind of open up the market for people looking to invest. So hopefully that kind of changes things in Kelowna and the surrounding cities as well in terms of developing and smaller developers are able to get into that kind of industry easier. Yeah, quickly. yeah, for sure. That would make a big difference, right? Some of those barriers were removed. Mm -hmm. Any properties that you guys would kind of stay away from? Maybe it's something you kind of did and it was a learning for you and you're like, well, I'll just never do this again. We love all the properties around here, but I'd probably steer clear of most lease land just purely based on financing them is quite difficult. There are some opportunities there, but it's just probably something we're not interested in at this time. And then, uh, you know, we have seen some flips 
recently kind of go bad with inexperienced investors. So maybe something just to be cautious about. And then uh, with our own experience with our joint venture partner, again, we had a lot on our plate and we just kept taking on more. And that was probably one experience. I can't say there was a lesson learned there because we turned around three months later and did another JV and that was amazing. And we love that partner. I but think yeah. there's a lesson. I mean, there's a lesson in everything. <laughs> you got to know who you're going into business with. First of all, that was a good lesson for us. And yeah, we're those people that just like to do everything all at once, make ourselves the most stress we possibly can. And it works out most of the time. But that particular instance was just, yeah, it was too busy. And we had a young baby, which if anyone has kids, I'm sure you know, that just adds in a whole nother level of busyness and tiredness. So yeah, that specific one didn't work out, but it led to another partnership in actually the same building that has been really fun and successful. Oh, that's awesome. You just keep moving forward. You learn and you move forward. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were realistic about the end of that JV, the unsuccessful one. We just kind of, you know, wanted to end on good terms. So mm -hmm. the the actual partner that still owns it did very well. Um, there's yeah. a lot of appreciation and he made a killing this summer with Airbnb. Yeah. So um, he bought it at a really good time. Yeah. We kind of just washed our hands and wanted to make sure that you know, we treated him fairly and we're proud to be able to walk away from it. And so it could have been much worse, but yeah, we were able to kind of bounce back stronger. Yeah, for sure. We have just a few minutes left. So I'm just going to hit you guys with some kind of quicker response questions. So with the market condition, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier on, but what are some challenges you guys see on the horizon and what are some opportunities? Yeah, challenges, I think just with the interest rates, it has sidelines quite a few people. There potentially is another hike coming up in the next few days, as we mentioned. So I think, yeah, that can be challenging for people who have reduced buying power. Hopefully those rates kind of balance out and drop maybe in the next year, 12 months-ish. Tay can elaborate more on that probably. I think just cost to build for smaller developers, like we mentioned, we're doing an addition and renovation now and a lot of those costs for contractors and materials have gotten pretty high. We'll see what happens with inflation numbers and hopefully that is kind of the storm is weathered and potentially maybe will go down a bit. But I think that's been a challenge for kind of the smaller end developers who potentially their margins weren't that strong to begin with and are maybe kind of stepping out of the game for now. And yeah, just from my experience, there's just, I've had a lot of clients who are maybe fearful of buying right now, fearful of overpaying, just maybe a little bit shell-shocked from that boom of last year and just are kind of waiting on the sidelines and potentially who knows, no one has a crystal ball, but no one really knows when the bottom of the market is going to be. And yeah, I think there are some opportunities currently that can be taken advantage of if you have the ability to do so. Great answer. And then this is a bit more on the personal side. What's an app or software you guys use that you couldn't live without for your business? <laughs> I know uh, what you're going to say. Yeah. He's like the spreadsheet king. He well, yeah, loves I, his spreadsheet. I love Excel, love Excel. but I, yeah. I also love QuickBooks. I think anyone that's going to build a portfolio or invest should know their numbers and be able to, um, you know, follow CRA's guidelines as well. But there are a lot of opportunities in the tax system. So being able to do your own accounting or just know what your accounting is doing and why is pretty powerful. And I'm kind of on the flip side of that. On the more creative side, I love Canva um, <laughs> for all my marketing materials. I just think, yeah, it just makes you look a lot more professional than you are. And um, it's <laughs> quite an easy app to use. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And how about favorite books? Do you guys have a favorite book? Definitely for real estate, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure that's a pretty common answer. It was probably the first real estate book I read and just found it so digestible and easy to read and understand really the concept of investing in general. So we kind of recommend that to everyone, to all our friends, to all our clients. Yeah. So my son is reading that right now. He's only 12, but you know, it's, awesome. it's, actually he's a smart kid, but it is a pretty easy read book as well. Right. So yeah. 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 Good. That's yeah. awesome. We'll definitely be getting Leo one for <laughs> maybe his birthday next year. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Start and really then, early. Yeah. Yeah. He's a very advanced child. Um, <laughs> just kidding. And then my other favorite book I just want to mention is the book Christine Sinclair wrote. She's a former teammate of mine. So that's a really good read. I'll plug that. It's called Playing the Long Game. And it kind of talks about, yeah, her experience playing for Canada and growing the women's game. Oh, cool. And I know you guys are a super active couple. What kind of things do you guys do with your downtime outside of the real estate world? Nothing. It is all real. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we really we, have to pull that back. Yeah, no, we um, we sneak up to the ski hill in the winter times. We're going to Mexico next week for a bit of a vacation before Christmas. But yeah, pretty active in the sporting community. Love soccer, volleyball, baseball, kind of anything outdoors. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we are trying to, you know, give back to the community. We just finished hosting our first annual charity Christmas event. So we were able to sponsor a couple families by all our friends donating some money there. So yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Chasing around our one-year-old Leo and our dog Griffey, who we rescued from China. So yeah, nice. that takes a lot of time, but. Yeah, just anything outdoors, really, which is, yeah, obviously Cologne is a great spot for that year round. For sure. And who's going to win the World Cup? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. I want Argentina to win now that Canada's out. I'm going with Netherlands. Yeah, Netherlands? Okay. <laughs> Who do you well, think? I don't know, actually, to be honest with you. I'm not <laughs> following it close enough, unfortunately. I did watch the Canada's couple games, and that was about it. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. Well, this was an awesome podcast interview. So nice having you guys on the show. People that want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you online? Yeah, for me, Emily's Our Real Estate on Instagram, Emily's Our Real Estate on Facebook. And my website is emily-sir.century21.ca. Email emily.sir at century21.ca. Yeah. And for me, um, you can find me at venturemortgages.com or taylor at venturemortgages.com and same on instagram just venture mortgages so, awesome uh, yeah feel free to reach out anytime yeah we love talking about real estate or anything in general for sure you guys are definitely Kelowna's power team there'll be links too in the show as well so there'll be some links for people reaching out awesome well yeah thanks so much for having us it was great chatting to you and yeah. hopefully next time in your in Kelowna I, I know scott only lives like five minutes up the street from us so We'll oh, does he? Get together, yeah. For sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. I'm an investment-focused real estate agent in Calgary, Alberta. I'm also an entrepreneur, Red Seal electrician, and I hold a Master Home Inspection Certification. If you're thinking about investing in the Calgary area, please reach out and let me put my real estate expertise to work for you. I can be reached at 587 893-2272. Follow me on Instagram at Peckford Corey, or my website is CoreyPeckford.com. Plus, we have a Facebook group. It's Calgary Real Estate Investing Group, so Craig for short. Please follow that. If you're getting great value from this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. 
This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.